Hello and welcome to all soccer fans to the Injury Time Podcast. My name is Owen, and we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Um, First and foremost, this is the first episode of the Injury Time Podcast, so I just want to start off by saying thank you for clicking on this and choosing to listen. Um, Hopefully you really enjoy, and I kind of want to introduce what this podcast is all about. So I'm a big soccer fan, and I would like to help bring that joy that the game has given me to other people that may not know or may not have looked into what soccer is all about. So the Injury Time Podcast is all things soccer news, um, specifically focusing on how USA players are doing um, internationally and at their club levels over at Europe and here in the States and any upcoming talents, both with the U.S. and internationally. We will be bringing you a lot of different content a lot of a lot of different news is about a lot of different topics but i think on every single episode i will hit on you know any updates with the usa international team or some specific players that i enjoy watching and i think will play a big part both in the um, at the international level and club level so just like everyone else i have a lot of um, teams and players that i watch and of course i have my favorites um, some of my favorites over in europe uh, probably Leeds, just because there's a lot of Americans on there, and I think that they're a young team that could actually make a push here in the next, you know, three four years, um, and compete for the Premier League title. I also like Liverpool. I mean, kind of a bandwagon. My family is a big Liverpool fan, so I've got to, you know, stick with them as well, and I keep up with them. Bayern Munich and Dortmund, just because they're the top teams in the Bundesliga. I, you know, I keep up with them. I enjoy watching them play. They're both very good. I also keep up with Real Madrid and Barcelona very much for the same reasons as I keep up with Dortmund and Bayern Munich. They're just fun to watch, interesting, a lot of good players. I mean, it's just good football, so I enjoy watching them. But my favorite team overall in Europe is PSG, and this isn't a bandwagon thing. I've been a PSG fan for a long time. My favorite players on PSG um, have got to be Hakimi and Mendez. I think the, their ability to not only play, you know, really good defense in the at the right and left back, but also move up and join the attack and help facilitate the ball around to, you know, Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, whoever may be playing in those front three, their ability to get crosses in and, and move the ball and just adds a different level of attacking style um, that we kind of see with, like, Liverpool. I really enjoy that. And then finally, since I am from the USA, I do keep up with my local Chicago Fire MLS team. And Shakiri, this new signing in the past year, has got to be one of the best signings that I think um, has really propelled Chicago into the future. I know that Shakiri may not be here for a while, but him bringing over the idea of how to play European soccer has not only pushed um, the Chicago Fire and their younger kids into a better form, but also the MLS as a whole, instead of just playing, you know, kick and chase soccer, we are now playing, you know, methodical, defensive minded football, just like we do in Europe. So that's kind of a little bit about me and my favorites and all that stuff. So the first thing I wanted to talk about today was the World Cup, the upcoming World Cup, and specifically um, the United States. I'm just going to touch on a couple things because I'm sure that I'll have a lot more to say, you know, as we get closer, because, you know, right now we're only a month away. And since that is close, a lot will change, not only with the manager making decisions, but also injuries at the club level and things like that. So so I'll just touch on a couple things. But I do want to say my favorites to win the World Cup, as much as I want to say the USA, I know that's just not not the truth. Right. I think realistically, Brazil and France, I want to say France, but realistically, Brazil and Germany, uh, maybe the Netherlands are probably my top favorites to win the World Cup this year. I think you could throw in France in there as well. I just think that they've had a lot of injuries plaguing them with um, Conte being out and, you know, and the injury with Varane yesterday, he just picked him an injury with Man U. So he may be, he's out expected three to four weeks. So that's pushing up right before the World Cup, so who knows if he'll play? And I just think there's a lot of um, issues regarding you know team chemistry with Mbappe and and the others on the team. And I don't know, it's just hard to win 
after you've already won, especially back to back. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, lose in the first elimination round. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they're in the final. I mean, they're just that good. So, but probably Brazil overall is my favorite to win. I have to mention Argentina. I think Argentina will do well. Messi came out the other day talking about how Argentina scared no one and they're they're coming they're coming to win this year and it being Messi's last World Cup, he's in pretty good form. I mean, he's Messi. He'll show up when he needs to, especially for the national team. I'm excited to watch. I think it'll be a battle between the South American teams and then, you know, Germany, the Netherlands. I don't think England will cause any issues. They've had injury issues. And then, you know, some maybe like black horses here. I think the U.S., if they play their top level throughout the entire tournament, they could be, you know, getting towards you know, the final eight. I don't think final four final, but they can make a real run. I think maybe Croatia, they can make a run. Portugal, of course. Or even Canada. I think Canada has the ability to turn up with Davies um, and David. Um, he they're just able to you know become a top ten um, national team. And if they're playing well and get hot at the right time, you know anything could happen. So, but that's why we like the World Cup and we we stick around and watch it. We wait four years. So one thing regarding the USA national team, I just want to touch on a couple things. Um, First of all, the midfield and attacking wing. I think we have a lot of good players um, that are playing good, not only at the club level, but have shown that they can play at the international level well. Nothing that I think we could walk in and be a Germany or Brazil or anything, but some legitimate players that could help us, you know, get out of the group, win a game, and then we'll just see what happens. So there's a lot of good things coming out of our younger mid and um, attacking wing players. Polisic, yes. The Wea, they're a little bit older than some of the other guys, but they also have that experience. They don't have World Cup experience necessarily, but they have the experience of playing over in Europe for a while. Timothy Wea is coming back from, from an injury and has been coming off the bench as a sub for some more minutes for... He has been coming off of the bench and gearing up before the World Cup here. So I think he'll be in a good form, um, especially coming off of an injury but getting playing time right before to gear up. The one issue I do have is with Christian Pulisic. He isn't playing valuable minutes or a lot of minutes at Chelsea, but when he is playing, he's he, he looks like he's got that fire again to where, you know, you put me out for 12 minutes, I'm still going to play as hard as I can. So I like to see that. And then Malik Tillman, he didn't have a good international break the last time he, he got brought up and played a lot. He played a little bit in the midfield and a little bit, over on the wings, he didn't really show anything too well. But I think he's got a higher ceiling than any of the other wingers that we have. You know, Pulisic, Wea, or any any upcoming wingers. So I, I'm excited to see him. I wouldn't be upset if he came off the bench and replaced Pulisic. But what I would like to see is maybe Tillman in uh, against maybe Iran or Wales. He gets a start instead of Wea or Pulisic. We see Tillman get a start, gain that confidence. And then, you know, you bring on Pulisic or Wea in on the 60th minute and allow them to have the energy to push ahead and, you know, score that winning goal or whatever. It always seems like Pulisic comes in clutch for the national team, regardless of how he's been playing at the club level. So I'm not too worried about that, but I doubt and I don't want to see him start every single game. I want to see some other players get some some starts, some valuable minutes, and then have him come in and help bring the energy up when needed. The first thing I want to talk about, um, about the USA roster, who and who shouldn't be put on, um, is the goalkeeper position. So I know that a lot of people are saying Zach Steffen's the guarantee number one, and I just think that's a foolish assumption. I think Matt Turner right now is the best goalkeeper that we have. He's played some valuable games, some valuable minutes with the starter or the projected starters for the World Cup, especially the defense, you know, with Zimmerman, Dest, Robinson, people like that. I mean, they, he's he's been able to play with them, um, see how they, they work, and they've been able to see how he works. So half the battle is just knowing who you're playing with so that you guys can all be on the same page and attack um, anything that comes your way. So I'm putting him in there because he has some experience as the number one. He's also been playing pretty well for Arsenal in the Europa League. Yes, it's the Europa League. It's not the best teams. He's not playing much in the Prem, but he is three for four on clean sheets in the Europa League. He's allowed one goal through four games. Um, you compare this to Zach Steffen, who 
through 14 games for Middlesbrough, he's given up 14 through 11 with only two clean sheets. And yes, he's technically playing more. He's not playing against top competition. I don't even think you could compare um, Europa League to the championship. You know, just him giving up that amount of goals, him dealing with injuries, playing against lesser competition with lesser coaching and and with all of that in mind, I think you put Zach Steffen down as the number two. You put, you give Matt Turner the start. Um, you can always change that as it goes on. But I think as of right now, he's simply just playing more. He's practicing with better coaching staff. He's practicing against better players with the likes of Saka, Jesus, Odegaard, etc. Like that Arsenal team is legit. And I think he in practice is seeing legitimate top tier international competition day in day out so i'm putting matt turner in as the number one goalkeeper zach Steppen as the number two simply because in the past he was the number one and he got struck with a lot of injuries zach Steffen, since his injuries really has not played valuable minutes for the u.s national team since probably early 2020 and really even if he has played since then the gold cup was turner um, the last few international breaks were Turner, and he got loaned out from Man City in the Prem to Middlesbrough in the championship. If you're playing at the Prem and then you get put down in the championship, just like we how we saw Josh, Josh Sargent, he exploded in the championship and then just couldn't get it done in the Prem. It's just a different in competition, so if you're still not doing very well in the championship... That's a red flag for me, but I'm putting him in as number two just because he has proven he can be, you know, fairly good. He's probably our second best option, and either one of those could be one or two, but personally, I just think Zach Steffen should be number two. And then finally, with our third slot, I say we bring Gaga Slonia from the Chicago Fire, now Chelsea. He's the young future of the USA goalkeeping. Um, He's probably the best goalkeeping prospect we have and that we've had for a while give him first team world cup experience the world cup only comes around four years by the time the next world cup comes around he'll be 23 24 so the giving him the experience of um just going you know out of the country exploring what the world cup's all about seeing top level competition this isn't international friendlies against morocco this is legitimate competition against england a top six international team and then you know into the elimination rounds hopefully we see even better competition so just giving him the ability to get all those jitters out in lieu of the 2026 world cup back here in the united states we hopefully will be able to see him take over as the number one goalkeeper um i think once he takes that spot um he he, he won't be giving up until he retires so i say you bring gaga Slonia with the team Give him that experience. Give him the confidence of being brought on to the onto the USA team, and invest in your future. I mean, this is an investment um, pick. You're not. He's probably not going to play, but you're bringing him along, telling him, "Hey, you've got that spot next year or the next World Cup in 26. We want you to be here. I want you to be part of the team. We value you, and you know, help him with his confidence. Help him with that experience. Help him become a veteran at a younger age." So that come 26, you don't have half your team never having first team experience or World Cup experience, and they're all deer in the headlights. Give him that experience, give him the confidence, which will pay off in 26. But honestly, I the way that Berhalter is thinking right now, I don't see him bringing Slonina over. I think either Sean Johnson or Horvath is going to come. I out of those two, it's a toss up. I don't really care who goes, but you know, I'd probably pick Johnson. But either one will probably have that third spot. And you know, even out of all these people in the goalkeeper, other than maybe Gaga, whoever goes in, I could see that we play all three. Matt Turner probably against England for sure. Maybe Zach or Turner against Wales, and then an Iran. You know, you may see Johnson or you may see Stefan get some extra playing time um, to rest just to evaluate who your true number one goalkeeper is so i don't know it'll be interesting but i think i think you bring turners stefan and gaga and then another another argument that a lot of people have been having is who we bring as our strikers so there's four main strikers four number nines that are an option right now you have p folk 
Sargent, Ferreira, and Pepe that are all on the board. Sargent, like I said, he's down in the championship. P. Folk, he's playing for Union Berlin in the Bundesliga, current number one, top of the table. Uh, Ferreira for FC Dallas, they're, they actually play tonight um, in the MLS playoffs. So against, I think it's Austin. So I'll be tuning into that game. Um, hopefully he plays well. You know, I, I hope he does. And then Pepe's playing it over, I think he's over in Germany as well. And he's had, you know, a rocky season since heading over there from Dallas as well. So, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people are writing off everyone else except Ferreira, saying Ferreira's being the only one that's able to produce all of these things. And I don't really want to, I don't want to say that the MLS isn't a competitive league, but compared to maybe the top six seven leagues in europe mls doesn't stand a chance now i think mls is um comparative maybe to um the championship i think the championship is a lot tougher i think the championship is a lot more gritty and physical but you know the talent level of individual players are maybe very similar so maybe sergeant and ferrera sergeant was able to now two years ago have a great season with uh, Norwich in the championship, brought them up to the prime, wasn't able to produce the same. And like I said, you know, that's just a telltale that maybe you're not at that level quite yet, but, you know, you're doing it in the championship, which is still impressive. Ferreira's doing it in the MLS. He scored, I think it was like 18 goals this season in the regular season, um, you know, top of the league with that. So impressive. Pepe has impressed me lately since August. He's had... I think it's four goals with six total goal contributions. So he's getting in. He's getting hot. Um, I think I read an article, um, ESPN FC, someone was talking about how, you know, true strikers come in waves. You know, they get hot and they, you know, have a span where they're really not doing much. And I think it's based on not only um, who you're playing, but those surrounding you. I mean, if, if you're a striker and your wings are really hot, you're not going to get the ball as much, right? Because they're going to take that shot. Instead of giving that extra pass to you, maybe if they're feeling it, they're going to be taking those shots from outside the 18 or, um, you know, trying to dribble around, get to the baseline and take the goalkeeper one-on-one. So you may not get the ball as much, but it comes in waves. And if you're getting hot right before the World Cup, like Pepe has shown, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be looking your way for maybe uh, to ride that high into the World Cup. But I think the overall best choice is P-Folk with Union Berlin. Um, he's played, I think overall, Union Berlin has played 10 matches. He's started nine of them with three goals, four assists for a hot, hot Union Berlin team that no one really expected to be at the top of the table. It's not that early into the season either. So, um, you know, especially against the likes of Bayern Munich, Dortmund, um, Frankfurt, you're playing top tier Bundesliga top five European league soccer and you're you're helping lead your team to the top now do I think they're going to be able to sustain this I don't know I think Byron's just going to naturally be better and take take the lead but you've got to give P-Folk the credit for what he's able to do in the Bundesliga at the level like that's a top five league in Europe Um, no one else is playing at that level Sargent last year showed that he couldn't do it at the prem or in the prem Ferreira is still in the MLS, and yes, he, he's been able to produce, but we haven't seen him against top tier or even uh, middle of the road European competition. So, you know, I'm hesitant there. I'm definitely bringing Ferreira along. Sargent, I, I probably leave him at home just because he, he was not able to produce in the Prem um, in the top tier. And then Pepe, you know, depending on how this next month goes before you have to turn in your team roster. If he's continuing to be hot, I'm I'm looking his way. Um, but I think guaranteed Ferrer and Peeful can you're letting them split the first couple games during the a group stage and you're seeing who who just wants him more, who's able to produce. Um, because we're playing pretty good teams in the group stage. So um, you know, I think Wales and England are gonna give us some competition. So I would like to see them both share time in that game. And then Pepe, you know, he he could maybe get in that third spot. We don't need five center backs i think richards zimmerman i think long is going to end up coming along as well and then robinson could always move over into that center back position so i think we're good on defense 
a lot of our midfielders also play those wing positions like Aronson and Tillman and Reina even, so we're good there. I think you spend an extra spot on a striker just to give yourself the ability to, okay, you're not hot right now. Let us let me go over to this guy or let me move over to this guy or we're going up against um, these defenders. They're a little bit taller. They are a little bit more physical. Um, I'm, I'm maybe going to put Pepe or P. Folk in instead of Ferreira if they're a little bit more physical or I think, I think we need pace this game. Okay, maybe Ferreira. So just depending on who we're playing, I think we could see different people take up that number nine position, but ahead of 2026, we're going to need to figure this out. Not, you know, a month before the world cup, but we're going to need to know this, you know, a year or two and actually have some time working with this person. So, so just to recap, my starting 11 would be, um, Turner at goalkeeper. I got Robinson and Des at the wingbacks. I got Zimmerman and Chris Richards um, I don't think Aaron Long deserves to be a starter um, at center back for the national team. I don't think he should be brought along, but I think uh, Greg Berhalter loves him. He has a thing for him, so I think he's going to come along. I think Chris Richards um, is young, has the ability to be a top-tier uh, center back, so I'm excited to see him in the future, especially 26, but... Um, I would, I would start him, give him that confidence, but I could see Long being in that position as well. Um, I think in the midfield, you start McKinney and Adams. Rania could easily be put in there for McKinney. Um, I think you have to start Adams. I wouldn't be upset if uh, Zimmerman or Adams got the captain's band. So, um, and I, honestly, I would probably pick Adams just because I think he is the engine that um, you know moves this team. McKinney for many years, especially during the qualifications for last World Cup, which we missed out on, but during that time, McKinney was that engine. He was the one that would come on, help rev the team up when we went down one, um, when we were down a couple with eight, you know, in the 80th minute, um, just to give his team that extra energy. Adams is now that person, and he backs it up with the skill that he has. Um, he's able to help the defense out tremendously. He's able to distribute. I mean, we, we've seen him move into um, into the Premier League with leads flawlessly. Adams is looking like his Leipzig self um, back when he played with them under uh, Jesse Marsh. So, you know, I'm excited to see him continue growing, especially for 26. He'll be a little bit older. I think this World Cup and the next World Cup are going to be the best ones for him and Aronson as well. Aronson, I play him at Cam. Aronson is able to step up, help the offense, help score. A couple international breaks, you know, during the summer, spring area. We saw Pulisic had that, have that beautiful ball over his head, touch it, bring it down. And then you see Aronson just running from midfield into the box, perfectly placed by Pulisic just for a tap-in for Aronson. But Aronson not, not hustling, not there. We may not score that goal. So Aronson, I'm putting him at cam. He's also able to help distribute you know, from Weah and Pulisic, who I'm going to put out on the wings. And then I'm starting P-Folk, but like I said, you could easily throw in Ferreira or Pepe, depending on who we're playing. So... All right, so that's enough about the international team. I want to talk a little bit about some club teams, some of the t club teams that I said are my favorite and that I'm keeping an eye on. Um, I probably won't go into any detail about other teams or maybe some highlights, but I think in further episodes I will go into, you know, some good matches for the week, some matches to look for, and they may not include these, um, some of my favorite teams. I'm going to try to get, you know, broaden my spectrum, but... Um, I think for today, I just want to give my thoughts on how the teams are looking as of right now, um, and then we'll see how they improve or go down later and as the season goes on. So um, first, I want to start with Liverpool. As I stated earlier, it is a family favorite team. Um, my dad's side of the family, my sister, um, huge Liverpool fans, watch every single one. Um, in class, at work, whatever they got to do to watch those games. So um, shout out them, Liverpool fans. But unfortunately, I'm going to rip into them a little bit. Injuries for Liverpool have been the name of the game this entire season. And we saw this a couple years back when they weren't playing very well. But, you know, Virgil got hurt. There were other injuries on the team. Um, they still played fairly well, but it was still difficult for them to get points and be at the top of the table where... 
realistically they should be every season. So once again, this year injuries are plaguing the team. Um, you've got Jota out, which hurts the attack. You have Matip out, which hurts the defense. Um, Trent's been dealing with injuries. So there's just a lot of a lot of different things, a lot of key players that should be on the field and aren't due to injuries. So hopefully, you know, a lot of a lot of them like Matip and Jota are supposed to be back before the World Cup. They probably won't play much for Liverpool, but uh, you know, the second half of the season we should see them a lot more. But it's another point to make that the second half of the season if they stay healthy, um, after the World Cup, it still may be an issue just because it's going to be a packed second half. Not only do you have Champions League, which, of course, every single team is going to make a run, give put their best team out there to make a run and actually win, but um, you've got the Premier League, which is probably the most competitive league in Europe or in the world, honestly. Um, you've also got Carabao Cup and FA Cup, and if I'm Klopp, I'm not even trying to make a run in that. I'm putting out my kids, giving them experience, messing around with um, some different lineups, not putting out my first team uh, just to save them for the Premier League. And I'm, I'm not putting my first team out just to keep them healthy for um, league play and Champions League, which is really what matters when it comes to European football. So injuries, terrible for Liverpool. But it's the name of the game. Another thing that I want to say, or that I want to touch on, when it comes to the attack for Liverpool, Mane. I was not expecting Mane to have as big of an impact as he did on Liverpool's attack as he has. Right? I mean, with with him gone, it has shown that Liverpool relied on him, whether directly or indirectly, a lot more than what I first thought. Mane now in Byron has been playing well, but Salah is now the number one attacking. You got Jota outs, and that's one less thing that the defense has to worry about. And then, yes, you acquired Darwin in the winter window or summer window. He has not looked like the player that he should be, right? I mean, people, when whenever he came in, um, Holland had come in just before they, there was a comparison that, hey, Liverpool and Holland were making real strides to, you know, it's like blows back and forth. They were making, you know, Man City makes a move, Liverpool makes a move, yada, yada, yada. And they were comparing those two as the next big rivalry between Ronaldo and Messi in La Liga. But here in the prime against these strikers, Darwin, he, he's been playing, maybe if he's lucky, the last 30 minutes of league play. He's been left out of some key games, and when he is starting and when he is playing the full ninety, many of the t- many of the times he has the ball at his feet, he's looking to make a run one on one with defenders, uh, try to get past them to take a shot on goal, instead of looking for an open man. I, I think back to maybe um, one or two games ago, Salah was wide open on the right side of the eighteen. The goalkeeper had come out to pressure Darwin. There was a defender right on his hip, and he ended up taking a shot that went way right, way wide right. And Salah was Salah was set to have a tap in. Um, so you put the ball anywhere in his direction, he ended up scoring. So Darwin, I think it's an issue. You know, adjusting to the Premier League, having too much hype or too much <clears throat> having too much expectation going into the season and trying to live up to that individually and not looking to um, assist the other players. And I don't think he's a selfish player. I just think if you have those expectations, you try to, out of human nature, live up to those. And it just hasn't been working for Liverpool's attack. So um, Mane, you know, huge loss for Liverpool. Darwin, he needs to not only gain confidence when the ball's at his feet and when he's taking a shot, but also recognize like hey Liverpool they play a very team-oriented game that's how it's always been Uh, Liverpool has always relied on you know making that extra pass I just think that once Darwin is able to adjust completely to the team-oriented style of play that Liverpool puts out there I think we'll see him increase not only in his goal contributions both you know goals and assists but I think we'll see the team win a lot more 
and I think they will stay away from dropping points when they should win. Um, like this last game that they had against Nottingham Forest, they lost 1-0. So um, I look to have Darwin become more confident and understand the style of play, both in the Premier League and for Liverpool. Um, and Jota coming back, I think Liverpool will improve come the season. Um, another thing I want to talk about is Trent. He has been left out of a couple games. Robinson, this last game, played the right back. And we had, um, I don't remember who started at left back, but someone else started at left back. But Trent being left out of the starting lineup is an indication that Klopp is getting tired of his lack of defensive play or the defensive struggles that he has. He is a fantastic passer, um, can put the ball on a dime when need be. He loves coming up and playing um, you know, in the attacking third, which is what Liverpool wants from both him and Robo. But just because you have the allowance to move up into the attacking third doesn't mean that you can give up on your defensive assignments, which I think has kind of been over the past, you know, one, two seasons has been slowly creeping into his mind that he is allowed to. And Klopp's been allowing that. Um, I think back to when they played Real in the Champions League final, like they Liverpool last year was one of the strongest I've seen them in quite some time. Um, I think I think back to when they won the Champions League in 19. That team last year was very comparable, if not better, than that team, I think, personally. But, but I think back to the one goal that Liverpool gave up to Real last year. Trent was stuck, staring at the ball, just watching the play develop, putting Vinny onside to allow the ball to just creep in behind him for a tap-in by Vinny. I mean, great play by Real, not trying to take that away from him, but I don't think other right-backs that are playing in Europe currently at the top level, or even for England, I don't think that they allow that to happen, or at least they put some pressure on. I mean, I think Vinny has the ability to finish even if Trent you know, plays his best defense, but you know, you may not put him on side, or you may see it a little bit sooner and be, are able to you know, head that ball out or something else, but that just isn't the case, and I think finally Klopp this year and the team as a whole have come to the agreement that either he needs to improve defensive-wise, change positions to maybe a right mid where he can still come up in the final third, but they don't rely on him for that defensive assignment um, or even a right wing, um, especially with these injuries right now. If I was Klopp, I put Henderson out at left back. I put Robo right back, and um, I, I try to see how Trent's playing up at the wing, um, which is originally when he came and played for Liverpool at the beginning of his career with them. That's where he was playing, and I think I think now his skill set has developed where he could really develop into a uh, a fine winger. Um, but I think he would be best on the right mid, um, where he can push up. I mentioned Darwin. I want to mention his counterpart um, Holland, and they are not comparable at any in any way. And that's not what I'm trying to say. They just happen to come in at the same time, play similar positions. So. Holland is an absolute beast. Through 10 matches, he has 15 goals, 3 assists for a Man City team that, yes, isn't top of the table, but will honestly probably still win the top. I think I think Arsenal, which I will talk about, Arsenal is a very good team. They're looking fantastic, unstoppable even. But I just think Man City, over the long season, through the World Cup, they are just a better team. So I'm excited to see how he continues to play. It's really impressive, the 15 goals, 3 assists through 10. I'm impressed. I thought when he went moved over to Man City, the same thing that's happening to Darwin currently, I thought was going to happen to Holland. He'd, he'd start off slow, and of course against those lower-tier teams, you know, Leeds, Fulham, Nottingham Forest, teams like that towards relegation, of course he'll put up a hat trick. I mean, he plays a position where he's able to take shots take the most shots every game um, everyone's looking for him he's bigger stronger than those center backs for those lower teams but I thought when he played against Liverpool Man U even Arsenal Tottenham he would struggle to score and that's just not been the case he has been able to dominate in just about every single game he plays and I'm impressed I think he's in the best form out of any anyone in the world right now you know if he keeps this up Ballon d'Or Ballon d'Or coming his way and I hate to say that because he's not my favorite player in the world. I can't stand him, but he's something special. 
So I briefly mentioned Arsenal. Arsenal currently top of the table in the Prem, unstoppable. Um, Gabriel Jesus, great move from Man City over to Arsenal. I think Saka is coming into his own. Odegaard as well, he's playing pretty well. But I'm most impressed with Jesus and Saka being able to step up, propel this team to top of the table. I mean, they're winning just about every game. They're favorites in every single game they played, no matter who they play. Um, it's a shame that we're seeing them play in the Europa League. They're my favorite to win, obviously, this year, but I would love to see them in the Champions League. Hopefully they carry this fantastic style and pace of football into next season where I'm assuming they'll be in the Champions League as well um, and, and make a good run because I'd love to see Arsenal win it all. So, All right, we've got Bayern Munich. I'm not going to talk about that much. As a PSG fan, Bayern Munich makes me sick, um, but I will state that I think Mane coming over to Bayern Munich has like lit something underneath Bayern Munich. Yes, they're not the top of the table. As I mentioned earlier, Union Berlin is top of the table. Bayern Munich will have no problem winning the uh, league this year. They look like kids in the backyard having fun playing the game that they love, which is something that I just did not see last season and towards the end of the season before that. Uh, Lewandowski, you could tell he just wasn't playing. He was still producing, but he wasn't having as much fun as he used to. Um, and that's now come back since playing at Barcelona. They aren't playing as well as he probably likes, so I'm sure that you know frustrates him but he looks like he's having fun which is great to see um Davies Alfonso Davies I think he's the best left back in the world right now but with his pace his ability to join the attack pass and defend I think top wing backer in the world for sure or like top five wing backer in the world for sure and I I go as far to say he's top left back so like I said Bayern Munich easily win the league they will compete for the Champions League um, just like they have in years prior. Um, I think they'll have no issue winning. Another person, um, I mean, Alfonso Davies is young, but this guy, Jamal Musliala, Musliala? I definitely mispronounced that last name, so I apologize greatly. But he he's a midfielder, left mid, right mid, central attacking mid maybe a winger every once in a while but him and Jude Bellingham are the two best young players in the Bundesliga I mean you could throw Alfonso Davies in there but we all know he's a beast um, he could play anywhere in the Premier League and I think have no issue but um, Jamal and Jude best midfielders coming out of um, the Bundesliga they're quite young they play for great teams, England and Germany, respectively. So, um, And I, I'm excited to see them start for their international teams come this World Cup. So keep an eye out for them. I will definitely be talking about them more and uh, as the season goes, and especially as the World Cup com comes on, they'll be one of my favorites to talk about. I, I, I want to quickly just touch on Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, Barcelona has been playing pretty well, I think. They're probably going to get sent down to the Europa League, which is honestly probably okay. You know, you got the World Cup coming, and a lot of their players are key parts in um, their international teams. So, you know, maybe having lesser competition come the second half will be fine. Of course, everyone wants to be in the Champions League, and of course, Barcelona, historic franchise, so they want to be in the Champions League. But I, I don't think it's a terrible thing to play in the Europa League and, and make a run. Now, if you lose first round in the Europa League, that's something to talk about. Um, and of course, it's not great to lose in your group stage in the Champions League. But I will say, second half come Europa League, not a terrible thing to play in, especially if you make a run and you meet maybe Arsenal in the final. But I think, I think everyone in Barcelona um, wants to win and come next year, the year after, we could see some legitimate strides and see them compete for the Champions League once again. I think De Jong is a fantastic player. Any team that will be able to get him will be very lucky. But Barcelona, you know, on paper, should be a top uh, 10 team for sure. You've got Anzu Fati, Rafinha, Dembele, Memphis Depay. You've got all these guys that are playing up front. Um, I think if you just clean up a little bit in the back, players continue to grow. We could see Barcelona make a legitimate run next year for the Champions League, and maybe even this year if they sneak in somehow. But I think Inter um, has beaten them out for that spot. So, 
Now, Real Madrid, they are looking in great form as usual coming off a Champions League win. They are definitely one of my favorites to win the Champions League again this year, which hurts to say as a PSG fan. But it's much like Bayern Munich. I think they will have no issue winning the league. Barcelona maybe will compete if they start to play very well in the second half. But that distance between first and second becomes larger and larger with each game that they play. Um, Valverde, I just want to shout out him. He had one of the best shots of the season so far. He was 20 yards out on the right side of the goal box. Just struck it perfectly to the left side of the net. Froze the goalkeeper. Didn't even know what hit him. Great shot. Um, But that's what you expect from Real Madrid forwards and midfielders. Just to score. um, Score when they're not supposed to. And continue to win. They won, I believe, 3-1 against Sevilla yesterday. But that's no surprise. Like I said, my favorite to win the Champions League. Or one of my favorites to win the Champions League. And um, definitely to win La Liga. All right, so PSG, I want to talk about PSG quickly. Mbappe, you know, it's just been drama-filled for the past, like, year and a half. He, he wanted to leave. He didn't want to leave. He ended up staying, um, leaving Real Madrid in the past, paid him all this money, gave him all this leadership right in the front office. But now, he, now he's saying six months into his three-year contract that he wants to leave. If I'm PSG, unless he starts to decide that he doesn't want to play and starts not even trying when he's on the field, then I maybe try to look for a huge transfer deal. But right now, he's on contract. He threw 10 matches. He has eight goals and one assist. I mean, he's putting up numbers, helping PSG, you know, continue to be a top of the league. Um, I have no problem with the outside stuff as long as it doesn't affect his play on the field. Now, is it annoying? Yes. Am I totally okay with it? No. But as long as he, as long as he is producing, I can't really complain. And he is Mbappe, you know, top three player in the world right now. So you know, I'll deal with the outside stuff as long as he's still, you know, doing what he does best. I also want to touch on um, his counterparts out on the wings. You got Neymar and Messi playing left and right wing, respectively. And Neymar has had a hot, hot start to the season. Through 11 matches, he has nine goals and seven assists, not counting, you know, Champions League and everything. And I think through the four or five games that they played in Champions League, he has uh, two goals. So, I mean, he's coming in, especially after what has really been two or three seasons of below average play. He's coming in hot and hopefully he can continue this through the World Cup, which will help Brazil, will help his um, playing time in Brazil but will also help with PSG's second half. This PSG team, as it stands, with the new additions that we have in the midfield, um, the way that our front three are playing, and defense, as usual, are are pretty solid. I think we can make a legitimate run to the Champions League, uh, definitely to uh, the Final Four, hopefully to the final, and hopefully win it. Um, I know that everyone says that every year. I will agree that PSG in the past should have won, but it just depends on if you show up to play that day or not. So... Um, hopefully this year we put our head down, we win. Um, if we win this year and Mbappe wants to leave, you know, you already got a title. Let's start not rebuilding, but um, we have the 20-year-old uh, striker Hugo from, I think, St. Rems uh, that we got him on loan this year with an option to buy. He's a great alternative. If if we win the Champions League and we get rid of Mbappe, I, I would have no problem seeing him develop and become a great player. Even if we do win this, if we win this year, maybe Messi decides to not pick up his player option and go somewhere else, maybe back to Barcelona, maybe to the MLS, who knows, maybe he retires completely. But in the case that either Neymar or Messi leaves after this season, Mbappe can move over to the left wing where he wants to play, which is the reason for all this drama. He doesn't want to be playing striker, which I understand he wants to score more. He's still scoring, but he wants the ability with his pace to play on the outside, which I agree with. We just don't have an alternative as a striker. Now, I do think if Hugo was a little bit better, um, a little bit more developed, we could see him take over that position. Neymar play on the right side um, with Mbappe on the left and Messi play a cam position with Vitinha and Verretti as uh, the central mids. But as of right now, that's just not the case. So um, we'll have to see how it continues on. And I do like how we've been playing um, the new 3-4-2-1 formation. Like I said, Mbappe doesn't like playing striker. You just have to do it for the team. But um, our back three, when Kempembe is healthy, Marquinhos and Ramos, they're solid. 
um, even Pereira, when he's been stepping in as of lately instead of Kimpembe, I mean, I, I'm pretty happy with how he's been playing. Then you have Nuno Mendez and Hakimi, both great pickups here in the past couple of years. We had Mendez last season on loan with an option to buy, and we we picked up that option this over, this summer. So we we have him for the next I think three four years. So he's exciting to watch. Hakimi is exciting to watch. Vitinha, we picked up a couple other midfielders. Veretti, as usual, is playing great. It's like his 11th season with PSG or something crazy like that. So, you know, they're both playing very well. This team is looking primed to make a run deep into the Champions League. They're all playing very well ahead of, you know, a very exciting World Cup. But because of the World Cup, I'm, I'm nervous since they're all going to be playing. Injuries uh, are always a possibility. Um, I'm just hoping that fire is still lit come the second half for PSG. And then finally, I just want to talk about my hometown team, the Chicago Fire. Um, they had a interesting season where they start, started off really, really hot and then kind of died down, which, you know, is fine. It was kind of um, a disappointment, but we had Shakiri come in from, I believe, Lyon in League One over the winter window. He got to play the entire season. He played well. I think he is a great player still. His skill set right now and where he is at athletically, the MLS fits him very well. He helped a very young Chicago Fire team learn how to play European-style soccer instead of just the kick and chase, which is what the MLS has been known for. I'm very happy that Shakira was able to come in and be that veteran for these younger guys to not only you know pick up the slack when the team was lacking, but also lead um, and show the younger players how to um, dominate in a better style. Shakiri is unique because in the MLS where a lot more goals are scored compared to European soccer, um, he didn't contribute much. He still was top three in goals scored for the team, but that's not where he contributed the most or the most impactful. Um, he was able to move the ball forward. For most of the season, he led the league in the highest percentage of pushing the ball forward. So every time he got the ball, he was he was looking to move forward, whether it was a pass, a dribble, whatever it may be, but he was looking forward. He was putting balls into spaces where others could run on and, and then make a make a move and finish or uh, pass it back and but that pushed the ball up pushed the defense back further and unfortunately it didn't a lot of that didn't end in scoring but that was due to a young undeveloped Chicago Fire team and got better as the season progressed and especially with some of the pickups that we made mid-season with uh, the addition of Chris Mueller and Torres great pickups Torres plays a similar position to Shakiri and he was he was dealing with injuries during the season um, and so he came on and subbed for Shakiri sometimes but when he played Cam he looked very very comfortable and very well he played that position of tributor kind of the captain of the attack and pushing people up he was really able to uh, fill the shoes of Shakiri when he wasn't on the field and then also he complimented Shakiri for the very few games that they both played and Torres was on the right wing, he complimented him. And then I was really impressed with Chris Mueller. He played just about the entire season once he joined the fire. Out on that left wing, his work rate of both running up the field on attack and on defense, running back and helping out the defense, I was very impressed with. His ability to dribble and then finish, probably best on the team. And I'm very impressed with it. And I'm excited to see him continue to grow into next year. Um, especially the entire offseason with Shakiri, Torres, Duran, Shabelko, Gutierrez, all those guys being able to move into next season and continue to grow together. Um, I do want to shout out, though, my my two favorite players on that team, on the fire team, and that that's the center mids, Navarro and Jimenez. Their workload unmatched. They were the ones that were helping relieve pressure from a young defensive core for Turan stepping in for an injured Amsberg and then being able to not only win the ball majority of the time when they made it a tackle, but also instead of just kicking it down the field, looking for the long ball, they were able to calmly distribute it out to either outside wingers that came back or Shakiri up the middle or to have, or even taking it up them, themselves. They were able to have that idea to not give it away right away which is very common in the MLS. But my young players that I want that I want to really improve and I'm hoping for for next season, 
um, Brian Gutierrez, hometown kid, grew up in Chicago. Then you got Turan and Duran, both from Columbia, who, because of their season with the Chicago Fire, were added to the international team roster this last international break. So, you know, great moves for them. They're young. Turan playing center back, like I said, for an in, for an injured Almsberg, that's a tough position to fill, and he was very physical. And honestly, he probably took over as captain of the defense. He was vocal, and he made a lot of smart decisions. Um, there were very few games that I was disappointed in his play. Then you've got John Duran. He impressed me a lot. He came on the scene for um, Shabelko, who was the striker, when he got injured. Duran was able to come in, and I think in his first game he scored a goal, and then the next game he came in scored a brace you know both one-on-one with a defender on his back so I was very impressed with his play my one issue with him is he's very easy to the ground he's a big body but he doesn't like the physicality Um, so if I was him you know I'd try to use my my big body my physicality to fight through those fouls to get to those um, higher percentage shots like one-on-one with the goalkeeper so um, but he, he still was impressive. He was one of the leading goal scorers on the team. And he he didn't even start at the beginning of the season. And he played probably the same amount of games as Sherbelko. And he was injured half the season. I mean, they shared a lot of time. And um, Duran was one of the leading scorers. So I was impressed with him. Excited to see how he continues to grow. My last young player that I... I'm excited to see is Chris Brady. He's the uh, U20 Nationals team goalkeeper. He's going to be stepping into the shoes of Gaga, who we all know got uh, transferred come this winter window to Chelsea. Hopefully he does well. We'll be keeping up with him a lot, but Gaga played very well. They got that $12 million transfer, um, but Chris Brady's going to be coming in. Having not played, having not played much with the first team Chicago Fire, um, so next season, you know, it may be a little bit difficult, but in the next two, three years, hopefully uh, Chicago will be able to develop another Gaga in Chris and get another transfer, you know, continue to see him build up. And then maybe in come 2026, we have a, um, a true goalkeeper battle for the World Cup, which is not a bad position to be in. Well, so that's all I've got for today. I appreciate you guys listening, sticking with me through this. You know, um, it's a lot different doing this. Uh, I, I I had like a, a sports page or a sports where I would update um, much like I'm doing on here. But I figured being able to talk through it and give my thoughts on things would be a lot more enjoyable for both the listener and for myself. So I hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening. Go ahead and follow this um, Spotify page so that you're able to get the notifications whenever I update. I'm going to try to upload two to three times a week. Um, I am in school, so it depends on how much my workload is. And it, it depends on what kind of news is coming out during the week. But uh, during the winter transfer, summer transfer, World Cup, the end of the Champions League, end of the seasons, you know, I'll definitely be updating more regardless of what's going on. But once again, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed and I'll see you on the next one.